Let's, let's pray together. Father, we come this morning and we come ready to eat of your word. We come wherever we are and whatever may be going on with us, we come recognizing that you are a very present help in trouble. Whether that is trouble we're, we're personally experiencing or you know, trouble otherwise, we look to you, O oh God. We look to you in the midst of a world that is troubled, where trouble is abounding, and it needs you. Even as we remembered yesterday, 9-11, our world needs you. It needs God. Their answer isn't in some new psychology, some new idea some trend, new technology. It's you. And we need you, God, this morning. Amen. And so we come to you in need of you, and we pray that you would be with us. You're our hope. Christ is our all. And so may you work in us. May you grow us. May you grow our hope. May you help us. Right now as we come, pray that you would lift up the downcast. And you would indeed lead each of us by the light of your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, if you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Haggai. We'll be continuing our study or a walk through this book with Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. This will be in chapter 2, verses 1 through 9 this morning. And I'll just read there, beginning with verse 1. May God bless the reading of his inerrant, inspired, and authoritative word this morning. And may the Spirit illuminate his word for us. Amen. Haggai chapter 2, verse 1. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by, Hag by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shetil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, 
and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. A number of years ago, I remember briefly a time of candidating at a specific church. And it was a rather interesting church that we went to. This church, in fact, had quite the history. At one point, it had 1,000 plus people attending on Sunday mornings. And so each Sunday, a thousand people will come. You know, coming to hear the word preached. Well, as we went into the church, my wife and I, we didn't really know what to expect. We knew that it had dwindled. And we didn't, we knew it even had dwindled quite a bit. But man, what we found when we walked in was much worse than we imagined. As we walked through, you know, room after room of this massive church, It was like taking a journey to the past. And if I'm honest, it was really more like walking through a graveyard. You know, it had just a ton of rooms, numerous rooms. And each room, if you know kind of how things were traditionally, there was a piano in each room as we went. And let me just say there was some 15 plus rooms. So that's a lot of pianos. So room after room, just filled with stuff, walking through it. And it it just seemed like it just kept going. And of course, you know, you could tell that these people, they were proud of the church. You know, they were proud of its history and they were certainly proud of its glory days. And how sad it was as we walked through there, seeing all this as we saw now these some 20 people coming to meet in this massive building with such a history. Now at its height, it was, it was certainly something. You know, it, it seemingly, you know, had reached many, even uh, being greatly effective for the sake of the gospel. But now, my goodness, it was so far from that. Now this, this kind of loss of glory of this church, you know, it it gets us close to what we see happening here in our verses this morning. At this point in Haggai, the word of the Lord had come to this Old Testament prophet and it was declared to the people of Israel who were now no longer in exile. They're back in Jerusalem. And they had started work on the temple and laid its foundation, but now 16 years had gone by. And the temple was left unbuilt. And so God, He came to them and called them and He he called and commanded them to get up, (laughs) you know. This may be inconvenient for you. An inconvenient word. But you need to arise and build the house of God. And so God, He called them to action. And He called them to get up. And He called them to rebuild. And what did they do? Well, we know from last week, 
Hopefully we praise the Lord together as we found that they rose up and they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And they did it. And so we left last week rejoicing at the obedience of the people of Israel. Yet even so, in the midst of all of this, here we have this much needed word then for them and for us this morning, a word of encouragement. Now before we see why they needed this word, we see first here that we see God's sovereign word was given. His sovereign word was given. Now up to this point, you know, we've seen a number of rather specific wording when it comes to like timing and days and months and so on. And you may have wondered at that. These really specific dates in Haggai. Now if you didn't notice that, you might be like sitting there, you know, what do you mean, pastor? The specific dates. I mean, I, I was there with you, you know, we walked through chapter one and all, but what do you mean by that? Well, if you recall, Haggai began with these words in chapter one, verse one. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai. Do you remember what day that was? Boom, you got it. The day we started preaching and walking through this book, August 29th, but not 2021, but 520 BC. And so very specific as scholars and as interpreters of the word of God, they've, they've found this to be true, that this was indeed the time that it would have been. And it's just simply amazing, isn't it? We're you expecting that, that specific of dating in the book of Haggai. So specifically, but in God's providence, this is exactly what Haggai would write under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. And it doesn't stop there. Like, oh, that was well and good. I see that. August 29th. Wow. But it continues on. Chapter 1, verse 15. I'm not going to read it, but there. 115. September 21st, 520 B.C. <laughs> Very specific. And then in our verses here, verse 1. In the seventh month, on the 21st day out of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai. What day was that? Well, October 17th, 520 B.C. So God intends this word to come to them at this day, at this time, in this specific way, that they would hear the word of God and do it. Now, that, may, that day, October you know, 17th, may not mean that much to you, but it was a special day. This day was the last day of the Jewish Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. So now you just see these layers of meaning, layers of God's providence and sovereignty coming into play. All these themes, all these things that God is trying to emphasize. Well, you might be wondering what in the world was that all about? The Feast of Booths. I wasn't here for the Gospel of John or I don't even remember what that, was, what that was when we talked about it. You know, the Feast of Booze, what was that? 
Well, the feast, it was a celebration. It was a holiday, a holy day. One of the most special days of the year, in fact. The Jewish people. And what were they doing? Well, they were rejoicing in how God had delivered them out of Egypt. How He powerfully, by His mighty hand, brought them out and redeemed them. By nothing they did, but by His hand. And there they went into the wilderness. And they went and built these houses or these booths or tabernacles. And they dwelt in them and they built these booths out of light branches and leaves and they would live in them. And so all of this is in mind at this point as Haggai comes to preach the word of God. All this is going on. And so this was a day of celebration, a day of rejoicing. Praise God for what He's done. And behind all this, and this word was the hand of God, and behind this word is this firm note of God's sovereignty. And note that chorus, this song, this wonder of God's sovereignty. It sounds throughout again and again the book of Haggai over and over and over again. He wants you to know, God wants you to know that He is in control. He is sovereign. And it doesn't end with the book of Haggai. It just goes on and on throughout the pages of Scripture. God is in control. He is sovereign over all things. God is God. And we are not. And so God, He is orchestrating history. And not just back then. Oh, that was just the Bible. That's when God was in control. No. God is still God today. He is still sovereign over all things. And here at this moment in this time for Haggai and these people, he speaks into history. So just consider this as we feel the wind in our faces on a normal day. As we hear the rustle of the trees outside as you go about perhaps mowing your lawn. Or you hear the birds singing. Or you place your feet in the cool grass. Know this, that God, He sees. He knows. And He is sovereign over everything. As the stars and the universe goes on. As the planet continues to turn. God is sovereign. And so following our sin, when we rebelled against the living God, incredibly, He didn't leave us to ourselves, but in mercy, what does He do? He comes again and again, and He acts, and He speaks. And so we have this morning a mercy before us. The mercy of God's word. And I know I've said this before, but lest we, can, lest we forget There are blood over all these pages that we would have the Word of God before us this morning. Many have died that you would have the Bible in English. 
incredibly, you have a Bible in your hand or on your phone and no one's coming in America yet to knock at your door and to check. And if you do, take your life if you do. The same Bible that many believers all over the world would long to just have a page. Just a page of Scripture. Mercy. Mercy this morning. So, at this date, on October 17th, 520 B.C., the Feast of Booze, God is sovereign, but His people aren't quite celebrating. Where they should be rejoicing in all the power of God and His deliverance. At this time, this dark cloud has settled over them. And so His people are discouraged. His people are discouraged. And they had started doing it. They had risen up and they had obeyed the Lord. They had started building. But it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. I mean, Solomon's temple. Now that was majestic. Now that was awe-inspiring. I mean, before it was destroyed, you would have just wondered at it. I mean... Inside, just laden with gold. Incredible. But this, this isn't that. This isn't that at all. What they have built up to this point, it's obvious that it is not the same. And so verse 3. Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? So it wasn't the same. At this time, there would have been some who were actually still alive who had seen it. I mean, so you had seen it in its glory days and they're looking at this and they're like, this this isn't even close. I mean, these, these people, they would have been around 70 plus years old. And even like that church that we went to. We're just like a graveyard as we go from room to room. This is not the glory that they had known. This isn't the same. And so here is God's word for them and and even for us in our day. He is saying to us, He's saying to them, discouraged, be encouraged. Discouraged, be encouraged. And so He says there in verse 4 and 5, Yet now, be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. And what a word. They needed it at such a time as that. 
And I think if we're honest, we might very well be feeling something similar to them. You know, we look out over the state of the church. We decide, oh Lord, this isn't what I knew. This isn't what I used to know. The glory is gone. And where is it? And so it might be that you are discouraged and we might be discouraged this morning. Is that you this morning? Downcast of soul. Well, what is God's word for us then? Well, saints, he is saying be strong and know, know that God is with you. God is with you. Don't leave off the work. Don't put it away. We're not finished. The work is to press on, and we are to press on as well. We are to make disciples, church. We are to serve Christ everywhere and anywhere. We are to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are to pursue godliness with all we are. Why? Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord. And He tells us this a second time. And so if last week wasn't enough, if you didn't get that, in chapter 1, verse 13, He tells you again. He tells them again. He tells us again. Church, God wants you to hear this. He is with us. Don't be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Do not be overcome. Know that the Lord God will not fail. He will not fail. Verse 5. His Spirit is with us even as He has been faithful in the past, He will be faithful in our days also. And He is faithful in our days also. It's as one preacher put it so well. You walk down to our bridges as He looks out in London. At a certain hour of the day, you will see barges and vessels lying in the mud. And all the king's horses and all the king's men cannot stir them. Wait, though, until the tide comes in. And they will walk the water like things of life. The living flood accomplished at once what no mortals can do. So consider, church, what God can do. Not what you can do. Not what I can do, but what God can do. His Word will not fail. Do we believe that? Do we believe that and go and tell people about Jesus Christ? Yes, I may not have the words, but Jesus said back in Matthew 28, He would be with us until the end of the age. And if He is with us, my God will not fail. 
He will accomplish everything that He has said. And so, indeed, Lord, help us believe this. Because our God will not fail. His word does not lie. It does not lie, Christian. Do you believe that? You might be here, and you might be right there with them. Man, I'm just so discouraged this morning. It might be you. Just, oh, God. Help us, be with us. Let me tell you, if you know Christ, take heart. God is with you. Be strong and take up His Word and do not put it down, believer. Yes, it will not be easy. Do not mistake this. God is not saying there will not be trials, there won't be challenges, there won't be suffering even. It may not even mean that your own life will be required of you. Just like this won't be easy, He's calling them to a task of building the temple of God and that will not be easy. The bricks won't build themselves. And it won't be easy for us. But make no mistake about it, you aren't going about it alone. You have another who is beside you, who is even in you, to accomplish his word. Be strong. Get up and work. Fear not, believers. And declare His Word. And His Word will not fail. Amen. And so we have here this word of encouragement. And then we see also another word. A word of power. A word of power. Now we've seen... His sovereign word given. Now here in verses 6 through 8, we see His authority and sovereignty displayed. His authority and sovereignty displayed. And so it is by His word, the heavens and all things and the nations also, they will be shaken. The shaking of the heavens by His Word. If you think you're in control, remember and reminder, and guess what? You are not. God's Word and will will be done. Now and forever. When He says it's time to shake things up, they will be shaken up. And no word will stop it. And no one will stop it. No king, president, group, people, nation. And so this shaking of the heavens and of the nations, it's double-edged here. Now what do I mean by that? Well, it has two implications or two kind of things that God's doing and bringing it to fulfillment. On the one side, 
is referring to God's power to bring about his will and his purposes. In other words, he is saying to them, he will fill this house with glory, period. He's going to do it. He will succeed. His word will not fail and no one will be able to stay it. That means very immediately for the people of Israel that Zerubbabel's temple will be built and it would be built. And this is exactly what happened. The nations, indeed, they would be shaken and they would answer to God and do his bidding. And so in Ezra chapter 6, verse 8, Darius, the Persian king, he decrees this in fulfillment of God's word. Moreover, I make a decree regarding what you shall do for these elders of the Jews for the rebuilding of this house of God. The cost is to be paid for these men in full and without delay from the royal revenue the tribute of the province from the beyond the river. And so God shook up the nations and they answered, the house will be built. God will provide. His word is coming about. And then later also in Ezra 7, 12-16, now this time not under Darius, but under King Artaxerxes, another king, He also answers and does God's bidding by freely offering silver and gold to the God of Israel. Just as God says they will in this Haggai chapter 2 verse 8. The silver is mine and the gold is mine declares the Lord of hosts. And so here are the nations. Here you go. Just as God said. God brought about all of his will, just as he said he was going to do. Now this truth, we need it. And we need it before us right now. God's power, it has not faded, nor has it diminished, not a jot, not a tittle, not even at any moment of any time of any day. Even now, this very hour on Sunday, September 12th, He is God Almighty. And in case we have missed that, the book of Haggai will not allow us to miss that. And so again and again, we hear these words, thus declares the Lord of hosts. Thus declares the Lord of hosts. And what in the world does that mean? Well, literally these three words, the Lord of hosts, it means Lord of armies. The Lord is great. The Lord is almighty. God is over all things. So each time as you hear it, thus declares the Lord of hosts, that's what's being said. I am God over all things. Hear my word. I will do it. So even now, God is almighty. He sees, he knows all 
And even now, he is working all things together to fulfill his good purposes. Even now, throughout the nations, in Afghanistan, England, Australia, North Korea, Russia, United States, Canada, and so on. Make no mistake, he is still the Lord Almighty. And he is accomplishing his word. Now at this point, you might be asking, well, I thought you said it was double-sided. <laughs> well, what about the other side? What about that other edge? So that's the one side of it, but this is also pointing forward to how he will shake the heavens. He will shake the earth and he will shake the nations and his kingdom alone will endure. He is promising that. How do we know? Hebrews chapter 12. This is what the author of Hebrews brings out, citing Haggai 2.6. He writes in Hebrews 12, 26 through 29. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And this phrase yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. What question? What are the things that cannot be shaken? Therefore, let us be grateful we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for God is a consuming fire. There is the kingdom that cannot be shaken. There is the other side of this word. There is the kingdom that will endure until eternity is eternity. And we will be there. It is not this land. It is not this world. It is not these nations. not these kingdoms. It is this kingdom. The kingdom of Christ. And no one will be able to shake it. But that's not all. It says there in verse 9 that the latter glory of this house will be greater than the former. In this place he will give peace. Now that didn't happen with the building of Zerubbabel's temple. We even don't even know if the glory of God even came and filled the temple. It didn't. It didn't happen with Herod's temple either. Kind of the regathering of Zerubbabel's temple. So what is this talking about? What is this pointing to? It's pointing to Christ. In Him, in Christ, glory and peace has come and is coming. Now you might have heard it there. You see it again, double-edged, has come and is coming. And so the glory and peace that it's talking about here has come. John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the father full of grace and truth. Fulfillment of the word of God. 
Then John 16, 33, Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And as Tim read earlier from Matthew 12, 6, Jesus said, I tell you something greater than the temple is here. And that something is Christ. And as we hear all this, we just need to wonder at God. All the multiple ways that he's just bringing his word about in ways that we're just like, wow, you know, this is incredible. You just fulfill it in all these variety of ways and in all these things we see that your word indeed will not fail. You're not lying. You're not trying to trick us. It's true. Your word will not fail. In this place, Christ, God will give peace. And that is just what he did. The power of God, his authority, his sovereign will came about just as he said it would come about. Then I said as well, double-edged, right? And yet it also, the fullness of this peace is still coming as well. These verses, they also point forward to the greater day that we see in Revelation chapter 21, verses 22 through 26. Almost matching this word from Haggai exactly. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. And so in all this, may we just bow before the great and the living and the almighty God and see His infinite wisdom, His infinite power, and His good will to accomplish everything that He has said. May we see what our God has said He has done and He will do. No word of God has failed. God is still sovereign. He is still almighty. He is still Faithful, not one word of his will fail. So saints, take heart. Be not discouraged. Be encouraged. Your work is not in vain. If you know Christ this morning, he is with you. So be strong. Put your hand to the plow and keep your hand at the plow. God, he goes with you. And so discouraged, be encouraged. Fear not and know that our God, he is worthy of all of our trust. All of your heart. All of your life. You can trust him with it. 
And so as we hear, and perhaps you're here and you are discouraged, I want to encourage you, arise and take up his word this morning. And so take it up and follow him into whatever lies ahead, into storms or battles or mountains or valleys or raging seas here or far away. Believers, may we arise and see what our God can do. And see what he can do with those who follow him and his word. Let's pray. Father, we come we bow ourselves before you and recognizing perhaps even with trembling hands that you are God Almighty. We come to your word recognizing that you have you've given it to us, you have inspired it and you have set it before us this morning that we would, though we may very well be discouraged this morning, there may be some here who are just that. Or maybe they're not. Maybe they're just on a mountaintop. Regardless of where they are, you're calling us, God, to look to you. To see that you're the one who goes with us. That we are not alone, though we may be alone. Though we may be by ourselves, walking even by ourselves and following Christ. We may be the only believer in our workplace. We may be the only believer in our neighborhood. We may be the only believer in our state, in our country, in our nation, or in this one area, wherever it is. Yet we're not alone. So your word comes to us and it says, be strong. Because you are with us. Your spirit is in us. Help us. Do not fear. So may we respond to your word this morning. And if there's any here who don't know you, may they indeed see the word of God has not failed and it will not fail them. Christ has come. He is the one who can save sinners. And so may we respond to your word, Lord, this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.